Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Training camp is off and running. The preseason will be here before we know it. News is going to spread like wildfire. But first, before we get into the nitty gritty of how to handle preseason and all the news that happens in the NFL offseason, myself, Eric Beinfort, and Rob Coakley, we're going to have a little check-in. We're going to see where our exposures are at thus far in NFL best ball season. Where do we need to pull back the reins a little bit? Where do we need to add more exposure? And where do we? Where are we feeling pretty good about things? And all everywhere in between, we're going to check in on exposure for NFL best ball season 2023 right now so a little behind the scenes i just told rob before we went live um it was. I wasn't sure if there was a fire in my house. I didn't think so, but you know, you. I came down to the office ready to get. I'm actually on time. I'm ahead. I'm. I'm ahead of schedule, and then a smoke detector starts going off upstairs in in my house. Not going off, but just just beeping. Just and knew we had fire takes coming. I was just gonna say the super <laughs> cheesy dad joke. We were that my house knew we were about to, about to bring. <laughs> bring the heat here on this uh, channel and just wanted to let me know. So we replaced the battery and uh, we'll see if Rob and I don't set another one off here for the next hour. Have we considered not dressing alike for a show? Have we thought about oh, fuck, we are. <laughs> <laughs> have we, uh, have we established that maybe we shouldn't do that every episode? That's really good. I didn't even notice last <laughs> night was much more easy to notice because a baby blue, a light blue that we're both stands out a lot right but like i just wear black a lot i wear black hats a lot so so do you so i didn't i didn't even think about it but it is very true <laughs> two nights two nights in a row of basically the exact same outfit is, is certainly a an interesting content strategy i don't know if I, if I would recommend it to other people but uh it's unique unique yeah, speaking of unique we're going to be getting into our exposures which i'm sure we will be unique in certain aspects i pulled mine up as we were getting prepped for the show and just kind of gandered real quick. And there are some shocking things there, but if you <laughs> want to be really shocked, if you drafted some of the, um, what are they called? What is the big board tournament stuff? Mm-hmm. Go look at your exposures for the big board stuff because <laughs> LOL, like some, of, some of the exposures I have oh, yeah. of that are hysterical. And if we have time at the end, maybe we'll just pull some of that up. But Jesus Christ, what it the what was I thinking situation is in full effect there for sure. That is, uh, uh, I, I haven't looked at my big board, I didn't do a ton of big boards probably because they failed so spectacularly last year. To your, your exact point, I think last year it was, uh, Oh God, this is so embarrassing. But uh, Jarrett Patterson was my like last round running back du jour. I was like, oh my God, 
It's only Gibson there. We saw that they didn't, you know, really commit to Gibson as a workhorse. They don't have anybody else. Jarrett Patterson was like low-key, kind of really, really exciting in college, made the team, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> just, they got B-Rob, they brought McKissick back, and this guy was not even not even on the team, you know, totally not relevant. And I had him on, I was taking him in the 20th round and 70% of the teams or whatever. And it's obvious, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, it's just a 20th round pick. It's like, yeah, but it was 70% of your teams. You just literally drafted a player who may not play in the XFL at some point in his career, but um, it is funny. And uh, I've, I've looked a little bit at some of my exposures, but I've, I've kind of been purposefully over the last few days, not diving in too much because I knew that we were going to, do the show. And I also have been um, leading into the first question I want to ask you before we pull up our exposures and start talking through them. I've also been um, not massaging my exposures in terms of, right, if I get to round 10 and this player is the best player, but I have 30% of them, mm-hmm. I, I've still been taking them right now leading into training camp. And that's why I think the timing of the show is actually really important because my thought process has been once we get to camp, if I'm right about my favorite players, uh, it's setting aside injury, RIP Canaries, Tony already hurt, right? What a surprise. But if, if, if as long as a player doesn't sustain an injury, if I'm right about the player, this is the time where they ride, right? Yeah. You, uh, you know, whatever, pick your favorite player, is getting first team reps or this player is the backup running back or this player's the starting running back, whatever. This is when we start to get all the hype and this is when they shoot up a bunch of rounds. So I've actually not at all really been considering the, I have too much of this guy. I don't have a lot of this guy. So let's smooth it out up until this point. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's how I've been thinking about it and trying to stay ahead of potential risers. So I'm a little overweight, Kadarius Tony, because I was like, <laughs> <now> clearly, <laughs> this went the opposite direction. But it was like, if we show up to camp, and he's with the ones, and he's making a bunch of plays, and people are posting them on Twitter, it's like, uh, you ain't getting seventh-round Kadarius Tony or late-sixth-round Kadarius Tony anymore, right? I mean, Jerry Judy goes at the two at the three-four turn. <laughs> Anybody can rise up to, to that level. So anyway... All of these guys that I thought could be huge risers based on some positive camp hype have been guys I've I just been have taken the shackles off and not really worried about their ownership uh, or exposure to me. How have you kind of been handling that? I know that you're generally kind of a take your guys too, uh, take your guys guy too, but um, how have you been thinking about it before camp? Similar, similar to your approach as well, be, because of everything that you laid out, but. The last three weeks or so, I haven't been able to draft at my desktop for obvious reasons, right? Like yeah, I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of stuff to catch up on and like running around and stuff. So my drafts have been through my phone. Well, I'm heavily exposed to a couple of different players, right? And today I had to edit a video for about eight hours today. But as I was editing the video, I was actually drafting some best ball mania teams because I wanted I'm trying to get the volume in, Mm -hmm. but I was able to do it at my desktop. And what I think would surprise people, like if you're not using our draft hacker tool, and this isn't just plugging it, but this like, you're going to see my point here is 
I have guys that I am heavily exposed to. Tony Pollard is one, right? And so I don't know. We'll look at it. We'll see what I have for Tony Pollard, but it's a decent number. And I was drafting teams today, and I think it was Cooper Cup. I drafted Cooper Cup, who I'm who I'm drafting. Like I'm not completely overweight on him. I'm not, I don't think I'm underweight. We'll see in a little bit. But as I drafted Cooper Cup and I got to the second round, I'm looking at the draft hacker tool. And even though I have whatever percentage of Tony Pollard, I didn't have him with Cooper Cup at all. Right. So like you start looking at this stuff and you're like, well, yeah, I have 25% Tony Pollard, but does that even matter in the scheme of like, I want to get different combinations from these first three rounds? Cause that's the shit right. that I'm looking at, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like, like the exposure is one thing, but like, what is my exposure with other players? So now I only have one share of Pollard and cup. I probably want a few more of those theoretically. Right. right? And this goes back to like the, the fading, the Devonte Adams thing. Like in order to do this stuff, you only have 150 bullets in these, in these bigger tournaments. You're going to have to make some stands if you want to get, combinations of players and you want to get a couple bullets with those combos right because you can't do everything you just can't your flat exposures fine if that's your approach great your flat exposures are fine but if your flat exposures are based on adp and whole other conversation then your flat exposures are going to be the same combos of players over and over right so like I just think you have to take some stands and that doesn't mean you have to go as crazy as I go particularly, but taking some stands, grabbing some guys ahead of where they go, some guys after where they go, it it all adds up to getting unique combinations and smoothing out your exposures and allowing for that to happen. Is yeah. What I would say. I, 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 we don't have to get into, you know, like, as you mentioned, it's a whole other conversation about how you handle and, and ultimately it is up to the individual person, right? Mm-hmm. A, do you believe that you have some form of player take advantages, right? Like you could get into this and you don't know anything about fantasy football. You don't know which content creators or projections or whatever are good. And you just get in and you say, but I think that the, there's an inherent edge in the game, right? Like people are maybe putting together their teams wrong or whatever. It's a new, it's a new uh, told like completely new still, even though it feels like we've been drafting teams for so many years, you know, we're in the infancy of best ball. We really don't know always the right answer to a lot of these questions. And so you could say, I'm just going to kind of take the best available player. The market knows better than I do. And I'm going to take the ADP values when they fall. I, I think that that's, I, I actually think that that's fine. That's not how I operate. And that's not how uh, I would recommend probably if you're watching this video, a lot of the people that we interact with operate, but I think it's totally fine. But the biggest thing is exactly what you said that you have, you still have to be cognizant. If you have that, like you're a total player agnostic team agnostic, you don't have takes, right? This is what I'm, I'm outlining the person who has no takes. You still have to make sure you are massaging your portfolio so that your stance, your stance is that you don't have takes and you're just going to manipulate the market. If you're manipulating the market and you're getting all of the same players together on the same teams, right? Every Jalen Hurts team is with Justin Jefferson and every, your Cooper Cup example, every Cooper Cup team has Chris Olave for no reason other than the fact that they uh, have ADPs that align. That's not good. That is actually working 
opposite of what your original goal was. Your original goal was just to say, I don't know better about these players. And so I'm going to create a portfolio of teams that knowing that the market knows better than me, how do I put these teams together? It's like, well, you shouldn't actually have all of the same players paired together if you're putting together with that premise going into it. And so um, we'll definitely talk about that. That's the big thing that um, I'm glad you mentioned it. Cause like I said, I'm not massaging my Damian Harris teams or my Rashad Penny teams or my Sam Howell teams or my whatever. Um, I actually don't know who besides those guys are my highest owned players. I, I'm not massaging any of that. If they're the best pick on the board, when I come up right now, I'm taking them. But I am cognizant of who do I have them with, Yeah. right? And and, and it's mm-hmm. like if all if I have fifty percent, I'm just making up a number, and I think I probably do have fifty percent Damian Harris because he's my he's my player edge. I believe that I have. He's one of my handful of player edges that I think I have this year. And then I go look, and I right. So I have drafted. We'll see this in a minute. Two hundred and sixty nine teams uh, on underdog. Nice. That's a lot of teams. And it, let's say there's 50% of them have Damian Harris on them intentionally. Mm-hmm. And there's only a couple of them that have Cooper Cup on them. And I like Cooper Cup. I have Cooper Cup ranked third overall. <laughs> I'm overweight Cooper Cup. But, uh, but if I'm, I, I'm not saying that that's the truth. But I'm saying why would two of my favorite players at their own cost not be on the same teams together? And like that can happen. And actually right. not only can it happen, it happens all the freaking time, all the time, all the time. And so that's the big thing. And, and why we kind of wanted to have this conversation is of course we can talk about the exposures are just kind of our favorite players. A lot of the times an individual player exposure, but what does that actually mean for your portfolio? Right. I, we're not even to August and I'm approaching 300 drafts that like my individual player exposure says one thing, but what my portfolio looks like and how all these players are put together onto the teams is a totally different thing and actually more important. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, again, the last few weeks have been like a little bit of a nightmare for me in terms of like trying to, were you busy or something like that? (laughs) But I do think that one of the mistakes I made was that I've made this year is I don't think I did an exposure check-in in July until now. And I honestly think that, like, with this tool that we supply, it, it's like a godsend, and you should probably do it every two to three weeks, depending on your volume of drafting, right? So, if, like, I draft heavily, right? I should be checking two to three weeks. And not just for individual player exposures, but for some of the other stuff we're going to look at, like, what are your Week 17 game stacks? Are you yeah. underweight a certain team? Do you want to make sure that you're getting that particular thing? What type of teams are you drafting? Are you heavy on this type, or do you want to do more? I think I have 1% robust RB teams. I don't want a lot of those, but I don't think I want 1%. Yeah. So, like, that's the stuff that I'm that like when I look at my exposure stuff, that's what other stuff I'm going to be looking at for. The player stuff is important as well, but your exposure overall, what is your week 17 exposures? What are your player exposures? What are your team build strategies? What are those exposures? What are your quarterback stack exposures? Right. Mm-hmm. So like that, that stuff I think is the stuff and we supply all that. So why would I not be checking in every two to three weeks to be like, all right, if I'm fine with it being high, that's fine. But maybe I don't have enough Dallas, Detroit, and I like that game, right? So maybe I need to be cognizant of 
making sure that I get some stacks, whether it's the quarterback stack or just a a 1v1 on that particular game. So that's the stuff that I think is important. I totally agree. And before, just one last thing before we dive into it is, you mentioned it before with player combinations, but anything, any little nuance of your kind of portfolio that you can draft, if you don't dig into it, and I'm saying this solely because I've experienced it, and even despite the fact that we built the tools to allow us to kind of solve this problem, you know, you can't cover every base. You can't search your <laughs> your player combinations with every single player, and the draft doesn't always give you what you want. So it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not DFS where you get to make 150 teams of whichever players you, you want in them. You know, you are in a snake draft competing against other players, but like you mentioned, let's say I love the Chargers this year. You can pull up your player exposures and be way overweight. Every single charger, literally mm-hmm. Herbert, Eckler, Keenan, Mike Williams, QJ, Gerald Everett, fucking Josh Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, all of them, right? You could, you were like, I got 20% Isaiah Spiller. And then you go in and you start to dig and you say, let's look at my Chargers stacks, right? Like, let's actually look at my, particularly in this example, let's say I'm going to look at Herbert plus whatever Chargers paired with him, right? So, uh, a Charger stack, because they're the team that I think is the cheat code to this year. And you'll get in and you say, those are all your most overweight players. And you'll, you would, if you didn't look at it, you would flip over the cards and there'll be something. You'd be like, why do I have 30% Justin Herbert and two Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett stacks? Two in my whole portfolio. You'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. That's all my favorite players. But just so happens when I put together the draft because I was never thinking about it. And maybe I'm not saying in this example, it's true, but in a lot of examples, maybe their ADP doesn't align. Things don't work out that way. And you get, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, I remember specifically like with the Jaguars, it's changed a little bit uh, with the Jags. Now it aligns to where you can kind of get it, but all of the Jaguar stacks that everyone was drafting using, and, and we use our projected ownership data to outline this were not the elite Jaguar stacks. No, because actually at that time, Ridley and Kirk went really close and Lawrence went not that much thereafter. And so no one had all three of the best Jaguars on on their team. No one. So you might have had a bunch of Jags, but you didn't have Ridley, Kirk, Lawrence. You had, right, you had one of the receivers, Lawrence plus Zay Jones or Evan. Stuff. A, without using these kinds of tools, you'll never know what even like stacks and stuff you have, but you're you're not going to know how it all comes together. And even drafting, like getting way overweight on certain players is not going to lead you to necessarily be overweight combinations of players when you're individually overweight each of the players. And that sounds stupid, but it's true. And I can tell you for two years now, that's what's happened to me. I'll have like, I love this guy. I love this guy. And I have four total teams with both of them on yeah. them. Like, how does that make any sense? It happens every it, it year. It doesn't. And it's just be from the way that drafts fall sometimes right there. They might be on opposite sides of the draft boards. And you can't just mentally think about that every single time you're drafting. So that's why the tools do help. That's why like you need to be in, in we're being realistic. You can't draft every time at your desktop. If you're drafting high volume, yeah. you just can't do it. But 
you can be cognizant of that stuff if you're checking in or if you are drafting at your desktop to see like, oh shit, I have Cooper Cup like 10% of the time. I have Tony Pollard 22% of the time, but I don't have them together. Maybe I need to make sure that I'm flipping flipping the draft board somewhere. Yep. Where can I do that? How can I do that? In that case, you know, obviously it's like you have to take Cooper Cup, you have to take Tony Pollard, but you can do this in later parts of the draft. I took Lamar early today. And in order to take Lamar early to flip the draft, I had to take Rashad Bateman early as well to get that stack. And I have it set up so that I can see my percentage of the player with my top three picks Mm -hmm. of the draft. And the Rashad Bateman, I have like 30% Rashad Bateman right now. But he wasn't with any of those other two to three picks other than Lamar. So whoever the other two picks were, he was like a low percentage. And it's like because the draft boards flipped there. So now I got a unique Lamar Rashad Bateman stack. I don't care that I took them six picks above ADP. Like who (laughs) cares? Like if I like Lamar in the third, I like Lamar in the third. doesn't matter. I mean, it it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter. I know it does to other people, but now I have a little bit of a different Lamar team than I think a lot of other people are going to have. I still get my exposure to them. I get guys that I'm already exposed to heavily with new combinations and that's how I'm smooth, like quote unquote, smoothing out my portfolio is just making sure that I have the players that I want, but I have them a month, like so many different ways. Yep. That is what you just said is kind of, um, and then I promise we will start to pull up exposures. We'll run through some of the comments and stuff. Cause there's some good, good ones in there. Questions, comments in the chat. Um, but some people w- would say or believe that you should make the best pick based on your rankings, projections, player takes, whatever, all that, all of those, when you get on the board, mm-hmm. right? So you get on the board in the early third round, you have Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson, you take him, right? You would never take Lamar Jackson over Josh Allen. And I, I that's where I don't agree. And that's mm-hmm. where we don't agree. And I think you are, you should be balancing a ton of different things every time you are on the clock there. And one of them, as we're outlining here, and as you just mentioned, is I don't have the Josh Allen one's a bad example. I know because you're not really drafting him, but you know what I mean it is I don't have Lamar is a guy I want to have in this example, but I don't have certain things with on Lamar teams and therefore no good reason other than the board just falls that way or the drafts haven't worked out that way for me. So I'm going to, um, you know, kind of take advantage of the market and say, I'm going to build this Lamar team that no one else has. And it's not crazy. No one's saying take Isaiah Pacheco in the fourth round with Lamar because nobody, right. But it's like, I'll just pull Lamar up a couple picks. Like, can Lamar be better than Josh Allen this year? Yeah, of course. Only one of those guys has won an MVP, by the way. And they ain't Josh Allen. I'll pull up Bateman a couple picks, right? I, like, does that really matter? Like, bait, oh, oh, my God, you took Bateman over Elijah Moore. Right. Send me to the, you know, send, send me to the best ball graves. You know, <laughs> God forbid, God forbid I took Bateman over Elijah Moore. You know, it's like, like that, that really doesn't matter. But the next thing you know, you created this team and it played into your portfolio to allow you to accomplish goals that you're trying to accomplish. Right. And like, I I really, really think that that's important and it gets lost a lot in best ball where 
we fire up a draft, right? You hop on the stream, you fire up a draft, or you're doing analysis based on past drafts, right? You're doing all this, and no one ever says, right? When you talk about a DFS slate, of course, the lineups make up the portfolio, but you say, I did that, right? I took a big stand on the Titan stack today or whatever, and then I mixed and matched around the Titan stack on mm-hmm. on week six DFS or whatever, right? No one does that in best ball. Everyone just says, here are my individual player exposures and here are my, fa- you know, here are my favorite players. Here's my draft strategy or whatever. And it's like, yeah, we do need to manipulate the draft that we're in, right? If Lamar falls to the fifth round, fucking take him. I don't give a shit. Just take him. But like, you do have to figure out the portfolio thing too. It, it's a real thing that matters yeah. to your end of season expectations. And so um, I just think it's important that we, touched on that um agree with josh hit the like button really quickly if you are here uh or your teams won't advance to week 17 that's true that's fact that's, that's a fact i'm pretty sure that has been factually proven mm-hmm. by the best ball gods because i don't always like every video that we have and um you know i have that's it why you're poor to week 17, but I didn't make it, you know, near top 100 finishing world series of poker. And it is why every player uh, that I've had on really, really big sweats has gotten hurt in week 17 <laughs> or heading into week 17. Shout out Kyle Pitts and Michael Gallup and Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, it hasn't been a great week 17 for me the last couple of years. Uh, good, good uh, Deuce Vaughn reference. This is pretty good though. No one has 30%. <sighs> Thirty percent Zamir White, which is uh, looking better and better by the day. Uh, hello, Josh. Thank you for for joining us. Also, more seventeen percent Tony. The thought process was there, disregarding his fragility. You know, personality. I'm not going to get into the the Tony thing, but as we're talking about exposures, you know, there's going to be. This is one thing you have to also kind of have thick skin at this point in the in the off season because, like, if you were drafting Kadarius Tony, I don't think that, that was wrong. I don't think really, you know, almost any player take is necessarily wrong unless you're drafting Najee Harris, sorry, Felix. Like, Kadarius Tony could be a home run. You'll you'll never, like, I will never listen to someone who says, like, 100% chance Kadarius Tony is a bust. Kadarius Tony is one of the few guys who's going in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, whatever, that could be a second or a first round pick next year. There are not that many of them. So if someone said I wanted to take a stand on them, despite the fact that, the risk is very real, as we've seen right now. He's fragile. We don't know what his role is going to be, blah, blah, blah. But if things, if the stars align, Tony is a smash. And we got the You're injury gonna... out of the way early. It's That's done. true. The yeah, injury's exactly. done. He's going to be exactly. ready for week one. He's going to smash. Like, like this is best case scenario. And that's the other thing is the, the victory laps are going to come out for the next month and a half, right? Yep. Told you Tony would get hurt. Told you, you know, Michael Thomas is still hurt. Told you about this. Told you about that, right? Told you Brock Purdy was the quarterback or whatever, which at least I didn't screw that one up for the third year in a row. But, like, nothing is changing right now super tangibly from a, a – the, the big thing that you need to monitor is, like, who's the backup running back in a lot of these spots? Like, we can learn that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Tony getting dinged up now, you know, it's going to drop his ADP. That's why it matters. Love but it actually doesn't change – his outlook, right? Garrett Wilson fell last year. Jamar Chase fell two years ago. Marquez Callaway is the biggest riser we've ever seen in best ball that was non-injury related. It was all hype. He was undrafted slash an 18th round pick 
two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was, uh, the years are getting mixed up for me for the saints, uh, ends up kind of shining during camp and then comes out in the preseason and sets the world on fire, catches a bunch of long touchdowns. He went from the 18th round to the eighth round with no injury, nothing happened to like benefit him. And how did that work? Not great. <laughs> Not great. So you can get all the positive news or the negative news, everything that supports you. And it's just important to keep all of that in mind that, like, it doesn't matter. Even when you're right, dude. I faded the Bucks last year. I, like, hard faded the Tampa Bay Bucks last year. Would you like to know who the team you needed in Week 17 was? Okay. I was right. They sucked ass. Brady sucked. The whole offense sucked. I was right about, like, fading them over the course of the season. And guess what? I was wrong <laughs> because they were the team you needed to win tournaments in week 17. So like none of this stuff matters in terms of all the news that we're getting into here. And that's why we're going to get into some exposure talk. Yeah. Perfect. I was just about to share mine. Let's look at yours first. All right. Do we just want to look at best ball mania? Cause I think if we do all sure. tournaments, it kind of, it just kind and of bleeds some stuff in that just shouldn't. If there's be. anything in particular that you did in any of the other tournaments that we want to look at, I think that's okay. Like in a couple of the like poodles and stuff, I went like drafted all zero RB teams. We can pull that up if we get to it. But uh, mm-hmm. we can look at Best Ball Mania. I, I'm at 75 Best Ball Mania, so we're pretty close. So I got 84 teams in Best Ball Mania right now. And not shocking things at the beginning of our player exposure, right? So I got MVS at 48% because I'm a psychopath. Rasheed Rice at 33%, Mahomes at 32%, right? So my Chiefs doubles are what I'm locked and loaded on here. And then we start looking at some of these other players. Shocked. I got Drake London. Just shocked, I say, <laughs> Chiefs doubles. But we got Drake London at 32%. I really like him and McLaurin in that part of the draft, so I've been grabbing a ton of them. We have Bateman at 31%, and the reason for that is he's kind of that last guy. We've had this conversation before. Like, he's that last guy you feel comfortable with drafting at wide receiver. So then we're going to some running backs here. Kenneth Gainwell at 26%, Jalen Warren at 25%. A lot of that was early when you could get him later, Mm -hmm. right? I do still draft him. uh, He he still happens to be right past – the Penny, Dame Harris, Elijah Mitchell, he's, you know, like not quite a full round after like Eli Mitchell or whatever. And it's like, he's still, the, I'm, like, I'm like, he's still the best running back in that little area. So I do still draft him. I imagine you probably sprinkled him in, in the rise, given the fact that he's still uh, 25% for you. But I, I just don't, I don't even know that he's risen to the point where we can't, you know, sometimes that happens, right? They rise to the point where we, mm, now maybe they're overpriced and I still don't think he has. And I think that's, that's probably a lot of the trend of the guys that we have the most exposure to is like, even if they move up, they haven't moved up enough. So you just keep, you just keep taking them or they've, or they've fallen and you just keep taking them. Yeah. And then you can kind of see like AJ Brown, I have 23% of because I kind of can mix him in and out of that first round, get my Eagles stacks with AJ Brown. I've done sort of the, I mean, it's always going to be compared to you and Overzet taking Devontae Adams early that one year where you flip the draft board. I've done it twice with A.J. Brown where I take him third overall just to To flip the draft board. To get 
is your plan when you do that to get Devonta and Hertz or, or like, how are you approaching it when you do that? I'm not approaching it to double stack in best ball mania. I still take Hertz, but it's allowed me to. So my favorite team I've drafted, I shared it in the discord. I did a double elite QB build with taking AJ Brown at the one Oh three. Then I grabbed T Higgins and Jalen Hurts. On go, my next go to your lineups. Game. Go to your lineups. Is it in your lineups? It should be. Um, oops, let me get here. But we can we can find. Sorry, that you can talk it through while we. But, but I just figure we could search for. Go to BBM. Is it in BBM? Do you know what yes. it's in? Yeah. yeah, it's in BBM. The easiest way to do it is going to be to pull up Joe Burrow because I have Jerry kind of teams, probably. Yeah, so less less than AJ Brown for sure. Yeah, so here it is right here. So it's a double elite QB build with Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. And we were able to do this because we flipped the draft by taking AJ Brown at the 103. I have Joe Mixon, Charbonnet, Brian Robinson, Khalil Herbert, Kenneth Gainwell, like the running backs. Leonard Fournette for the running backs. Gainwell right. with Hurts is nice. Uh, Mixon with Burrow is nice. So yeah. Yeah. AJ Brown, T. Higgins, Kadarius Tony, Gabe Davis, Rashad Bateman, MVS, Alec Pierce, Irv Smith, Sam Laporta, Cade Otten. So I think the team is just like overall strong everywhere. Double elite mm-hmm. QB. I got the stacks for them. I didn't think I needed a bring back for the Eagles on this. Mm-hmm. I do have the double bring back for the with the two Chiefs wide receivers. I don't know, man. I think flipping the draft in that particular lineup and only doing two things different, which is AJ Brown 103, Joe Burrow early for a second quarterback, and the team feels strong to me. I mean, maybe other people look at it and don't like it. This team is such a good example of the the flipping the build thing. I know you mentioned like Pete and I's team as well was a, a good example, but th- this is exactly what we're talking about with that where when you look at this team and the players on it and you read them off and we read them off and we talked about the stacks and everything on there, no one would say, man, that's a weak team. You know, no one would say, oh, man, I don't know. You're like, oh, no, those quarterbacks look good. I like the tight ends. Got A.J. Brown, good wide receivers. And, you know, the RB bros probably don't like the running backs, but I like the running, I like the running backs. It's, it's pretty strong for a, you know, quasi zero RB team right with Mixon as an anchor it's mm-hmm. pretty good and you like look at the collection of players and you're like nope makes sense I like them all like they're they all look good on this team and so you 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 took that reach at the 103 and you took AJ Brown over it but that's what allowed you to get a specific combination of players onto this AJ Brown team and when you look at the team it's not there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And if and if we didn't say that you did it at the 103, everyone would love the team, right? If, right. if, if we said you took him at the 109, everyone would be like, holy shit, this is an amazing team. But if you say you took him at the one, you took him at the 103, people are like, oh, you reached on AJ Brown? What are you doing? You're like, well, if you loved it from the 109, how can you – I understand a little bit of, right, you had the, the context of you passed on a couple of guys to do it. But really all you did was take A.J. Brown over like Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill, right? That's uh, Christian McCaffrey. Like that's it, really, basically. And like, so why is that crazy? That's not crazy. To allow that team to be in your portfolio, 
Like, that seems like a good thing. That's, that's a feature, not a bug of how we draft best ball teams, but it's treated as a bug. It's a problem if you do it every time. But if you do Correct. this, maybe if you're drafting 150 teams and your decision is to do this three times, right? Like maybe you do it three times. How much are you really reducing your CMC cup Tyree kill exposure? Like not even a percentage point theoretically. Right. Depending right. on how many teams you draft, of course, but like and, let's call it draft. Let's just yeah. call it one percent. Yeah, one percent. So you're upping your AJ Brown exposure. You're getting, and you could do this with Diggs. You could do this with Eckler if you like Eckler. You want to flip a build with a running back? Flip it with Eckler, right? I think or I'm going to do it with Garrett Wilson a little. I actually just did it today with Garrett Wilson. Pull him from the early second to sixth overall mm-hmm. or whatever. Some something like that. Where like, okay, now I'm gonna get him with Saquon, or him, especially now that Saquon is signed, right? Now him with Waddle, him with Olave or whatever. And it's like, why is Garrett Wilson plus Olave that much different in my upside compared to Diggs plus Olave? Mm-hmm. I don't really think that it is, but as you said. No one's doing it, and all I got to do is pull this guy up from 12th overall to 6th overall. Right. So it, it just allows you to get some different builds with guys that you like. So that that was the only thing I wanted to show with that. Like, that is my favorite team that I've drafted, just because I think it – I don't think anyone else is going to – when I say anyone else, sub 1% are going to have an A.J. Brown, Hertz, Burrow, T. Higgins team, right? Like – how many people are going to have that team? Right. Well, you you if you stick to ADP, you're never going to get AJ Brown, Hurts, T Higgins. Right. Ever. You just can't do it. You'll have zero. I I would bet you I have. I mean, I guess I can probably fucking look, but I'll bet you I have zero. Right. Like so, I have players that I love. I have a unique build that I don't think because people get scared. Which... I have one. Just to be clear, I have one AJ Brown, T Higgins team. It does right. not have Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that like that's the point. And you're doing things to flip drafts too. Right. But this is something that you didn't do. So not everybody is doing this. Sub one percent are doing this. I might have been the only one that's done this, theoretically. Like it's, there there is that possibility. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Right. So, I would I would I would bet a handful of teams have it. Like out of how many hundred thousand are there in Best Ball Mini, I would bet. But I would, I, we're talking about a few teams out of hundreds of thousands, right? So, like, that's basically nothing because the the advanced expectation of five teams, the, the expectation is that none of them are even going to get there, get get to the playoffs. And so, you know, even if they, even if that structure happens to be the the league winners in the regular season. Right, not all of them are going to get through. Let's say maybe three or three or four. Like you just guaranteed yourself this super super unique team without doing anything crazy. Right, and and if you looked at the at at the ADP like difference, the only guy that was hugely different on that was AJ Brown. I either got value everywhere else, or everyone was like right where they were supposed to be. You flip the entire draft by doing it one time. So, I think the other thing to look at here is the team structure percentage. Yeah. So that's over here on the right, and you can kind of see um, – I'll zoom in a little bit to make it a little easier to read Thank for everybody. <clears throat> but the there you go. Perfect. So my elite QB is 
which is a strategy that I've gone into the season saying that I'm going to do. I know I'm one of the few that's going to have it this high. If anyone else that, you know, is a talking head has this high, I'd be kind of shocked. But I just think you get extreme leverage and advance rate stuff with these elite QBs. And again, because I'm doing it so heavily, I think I'm going to have quite a few different teams that get through than other players based on drafting them at a heavy volume. So that's kind of my stance on that. And clearly when you do these elite QB builds, I'm going to have a lot of zero RB, which I do at 38%. I have a lot of hero RB at 33%. I had to adjust and get elite tight end up to 31%. I did not start by drafting elite tight end. So a couple weeks in, I was doing a lot of late round tight end in the beginning. And so that adjustment was made, I don't know, a little under halfway through what I have drafted right now. Uh, my shock of all of this is that I only have 7% dual RB because I thought I was doing that a lot more. And clearly I'm just not. And between that and my one robust RB team, <laughs> like that might be something that I need to evaluate going forward. And the thing with those type of teams though, is you can't do the can't is a, is a word, but it's tougher to do an elite QB build with the dual right. RB or a robust RB team. Especially just, with Mahomes is your highest, your highest exposure quarterback, because if you take him, you would have had to take running back, running back Mahomes or not. It doesn't have to be in that order. Right. But right. two running backs with Mahomes, because you're also probably not going to get the four. There's only like one or two fourth round running backs. Like it, it just from a, just a logistic, it, it's not a player take, thing or a structure take thing it's a logistics issue where like exactly. there are just no running back right if you take Mahomes you just can't get it so um that, that does make sense that the dual art the low dual RB thing does make sense yeah and sometimes you just get blinded by that because I thought I was doing more dual RB because I it just was a build that I'm like oh, I probably have enough of this and I don't think I do I think I need to I don't think I need to go crazy with it but 12%, 13% might be somewhere I want to be with a dual RB build. Robust RB. Look, if I end up with 1%, like so be it type of deal. But from what I've seen in drafts, I'm confident that I can build better robust RB teams than the people that do build our robust RB teams. And that's the only reason why I feel like I should have more. Not because it's a strategy that I like, but based on watching other people draft it, I think I can do it better and maybe I'm wrong, but I watch them and I just think that they overextend themselves a lot on those builds. And so when I can witness that as I'm drafting and I see them, it's like, okay, well, I know they're doing it wrong. How do I get in there and do it? And should I be doing more of them? Because I think I have a better edge at drafting that type of team. We're all scared of it. We all don't like it. None of us like, 90% 90% of us in this. It's so like fragile. That. It's the most fragile thing you can do because the running backs are the most fragile. You're not going to take many of them. You're going to spend all your, right. This were an auction. You just spent all your money on three running backs or whatever, or four. It's fragile as shit. So it feels uncomfortable, but um, exactly what you just said is why I've done it a little bit more, which we'll get to in a minute. I have 9%, seven of my 75 best ball mania teams are robust running back. And that is intentional. That is not, that is not like uh, uh, letting the draft come to me. That that is not me letting. If, the, if I if it were letting the draft come to me, I'd be hammering all. Yeah. 
but it's literally exactly what you just said. I see other people, A, I see the value in these early running backs. I'm not a moron. I, I, I'm a, more of a zero RB bro, but I'm, I can understand that late second round Tony Pollard without Ezekiel Elliott is pretty fucking good. I think like, I'm yeah. not, I'm not an <laughs> idiot. Uh, even, you know, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, whatever. I see the value in all of these guys. I, I, this is the first year of all time. I'm like way ahead. Of, well, not anymore. Cause he's risen so much, but I was way ahead of Nick Chubb in our rankings. Uh, 80, he used to be a late second round guy and I had him as an early second round guy. Now he, he goes in the early second, but so clearly I understand. Like I, I like these running backs in that first, second, third round, just as much as everyone else does, maybe even more. But from a structural, um, like strategic perspective, I don't believe in that build very much. But as you said, if I can see the value in those guys and I can then structure it better, that right, the robust RB bros are going to draft Juju and they're going to draft Zay Jones and they're right. going to draft Odell and they're going to draft, you know, Van Jefferson and whatever. And I'm not saying that that's those guys in and of themselves are wrong, but I think I can beat them and build their robust RB teams better than they do. I also think I can push the limits of the robust RB team a little bit, right? They draft three straight running backs or four straight running backs or whatever. I'm like, well, I, maybe I'll still get, I'll build a robust team with Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I'll build a robust team, right? With Jamar Chase or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll use JK Dobbins on that team or I'll use Cam Akers on that team or I'll use, that that like kind of lesson and I, I think robust bros can do this with zero rb too right are if you're naturally a robust bro i bet that you can do some unique different things in a zero Absolutely. rb team and uh hey shout out to hayden hayden wink just talks about this where people draft based on their stylistic preferences the same players on a lot of the same types of teams so zero rb teams are zero rb by definition of where they take their running backs but they end up drafting the same kind of wide receivers and the same kind of running backs, right? Why is Josh Jacobs such a smash? Because even the zero RB, he fell to the eighth round and the zero RB bros still wouldn't take him. Right. Right. And so anyway, all of that is to say your point about like taking the stylistic difference that you have about a structure and implementing it in a way that gives you an edge is like fucking huge. And people need to remember that. And that's why you need to check in on your exposures too. Because like you can be thinking that because clearly I've been thinking about it, but I have one robust RB team, right? So just because I'm thinking about it doesn't mean I'm doing it. So when you come in here and you see that I have one team like that, it's like, yeah, I don't want to be overweight on it. I don't want to do it a ton, but out of 150, maybe I want five. So now I know that with my last, I don't know, what's the math, 65 teams? Four of them, I probably need to do an R- a robust RB team for four of them. So this is why checking your exposures is important. And then the last thing I'll show is our week 17 stack exposure, right? We see obviously Kansas City, Cincinnati is huge, right? Green Bay, Minnesota is a little bit of a surprise for me that that is my second highest exposure. I think that's probably got a lot to do with AJ Dillon being relatively high. What do you think it is on the Vikings? I've been fortunate with Justin Jefferson. So I have 15% Justin Jefferson right now. Yes, you have. (laughs) So. And Madison, I I think you you were smashing Madison right before he, uh, yeah. So there you go. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I I was smashing Madison when he was really cheap. Um, that Madison's a whole conversation we can have about where he is now that on a different show. I still think he's kind of fine, but I was smashing mm-hmm. him when we were getting him much later. But if you scroll down, I don't think I have enough Detroit Dallas right now. So I need to figure that out. I, it's not bad. 12% is like whatever, but I, I want more of that. And I, I want to say that I want more Vegas indie, but my Vegas player exposure is so limited to it's the Vegas part of it. I imagine you're drafting some Colts. I'm drafting Colts, but it's definitely the Vegas side of this. So I'm like, yeah, it's 2%. Maybe we need to bump it up a little bit, but I'm only bumping it up with Zamir White and Michael Mayer. Right. Those are those are the two guys. So it's like, how much higher do I actually expect it to be? Right, exactly. So so like those I, I draft a ton of Colts. I draft a ton of Colts. I'm not like crazy overweight on they're not none of them are my highest exposure players, but like they're definitely not off the board for me and I actually like them a lot, like them a lot. And I only have 7 uh 9% 7 total teams of Vegas Colts uh week 17 stacks as well and uh when you were saying that I was like, "Oh, I bet I have a ton more than him." And I was like, "Oh shit, I don't have that many. I don't have that many either." But that's as you mentioned, I don't draft Jimmy G. Um, I'm way, 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 way underweight Devontae Adams. I've sprinkled him a couple times, and I don't draft Josh Jacobs either. <laughs> and so it's like, uh, where's the Vegas part coming from? It's like Michael Mayer and Zamir White, as you said. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you can only get so many of those stacks if you only draft two Raiders, you know? Yeah, I mean, so it's just like, yeah, it's a dome game. People are saying how it's going to be, you know, a projected high um right, both defenses stuff suck i understand yeah. that. i understand i get, I get it yeah. it's just i like everything else and i'm fine with being underweight on that game i mean hell you know who scored the most points last year in week 17 the green bay packers a lot of it was Did defensive they? it was a lot oh, of defensive yeah. touchdowns but yeah. But they were like, I think they were either the highest scoring team or tied for the highest scoring team of week 17. Should have done it two years ago, too. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was Sunday Night Football and uh, Cousins didn't play. It was also Packers, Vikings two years ago. We're getting, we're running back uh, Best Ball Mania 2 finals, by the way, Chiefs, Bengals, and yeah. uh, uh, Packers, Vikings. But uh, Cousins didn't play two years ago. And Rodgers just, you know, hung dong on these guys in the first half and uh uh it was over with uh oh my gosh who was the old vikings backup quarterback uh big slow statue of a guy um anyway couldn't get the ball out you know to anybody and uh again the the team you mentioned with pete and i we we had uh Devontae and mvs on that team and uh no aaron Rodgers, which has actually worked out awesome but uh Devontae made our lineup and mvs didn't do anything because they threw like 23 passes or 24 passes or something. It was, it was a very Eagles S game. They just grinded it out in the second half because the Vikings couldn't keep up, but um, all right, let's move over to mine. I know we uh, went a little long on there, but that's, that's okay. It's the first time we've, we've talked this through. So I got, I'm filtered here for best ball mania. I'll zoom in in a second. I mentioned 75 total teams. I'll walk through just kind of a quick overview of my, um, you know, high level exposure is what we got going on here. I love I've made it. Very, I've made it very, very well known. So I said it at the top. If you joined in the middle and you're, you know, you didn't watch the uh, 
beginning of the show. My stance up until now uh, has been I'm not backing off my kind of player takes and my player stands because training camp is coming. And I can always draft. This is also generally my basketball draft strategy and portfolio strategy. You can always stop drafting a player. You can never go back and draft them again. Right. Right. And so that's most applicable, like in the first round or the second round, right? People will say, uh, I'm not getting, I know this is happening to you and you may have to start doing this, but I'm, I'm, I don't, I want to be overweight Jamar Chase if possible, but I'm never getting the 102 and he almost never falls to the 103. So when should I start taking Jamar Chase at the 101 to balance that out? That's up for everyone to, to figure out, but people will start asking it in even like May and stuff. And I'm like, we saw it with your exposure in early, early on, you're never going to be able to go back and get those Justin Jefferson teams back. Right. And you could run out a month or two months of never getting the one one again. And do you really want to have no Justin? Like, do you want to have 2% Justin Jefferson? I mean, maybe you do. And that's fine for me. No, I don't want to have 2% of the best wide receiver in, in football. And so you can't go back and, and change it. So that's what you'll see a lot here. I took, I have pretty big player takes and player stands and stack stands on a few different things. But also we're going to do the show again, like right before the season starts probably. And they won't look like this because I, I'm going to, I will eventually back off of Damian Harris and Sam Howell and stuff. So uh, you see Damian Harris. Especially if they points. rise. That's the thing. The and, and I don't know if I will, right? If Damian Harris falls, but nothing has changed, maybe I'll, maybe I'll end up with 75% Damian Harris. I don't know. But uh, if they rise, right? Damian Harris gets carry number one. In preseason, you know, the first team offense is out there and he's out there with Josh Allen. Spoiler alert, he's going to rise and I'll back off, right? Sam Howell, the, the, the world finally realizes that Sam Howell's not losing this job and he's really good at quarterback and he's not a 17th round pick anymore, right? Rashad Penny is not a cut risk. He's a freaking, he has a better chance to lead the NFL in rushing than he does to get cut by the, by the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. I know, I'm making that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, so, but I'm taking these stands because again, like Rashad Penny gets carry number one for the first team offense for the Eagles. You're not getting Rashad Penny in the 11th round. Like it's not happening. So anyway, that that's the preface for all of this. Damian Harris, you, you also start to see uh, how I like to draft, right? There are no top running backs on this list. It is actually the, the Damian Harris's and Rashad Penny's, J.K. Dobbins, um Jalen Warren the aforementioned Jalen Warren I've I've the, the guy the, the funny guy that I've made a, an intentional effort to get out ahead of is Tutu <laughs> I don't think I drafted him in my first oh, probably wow. like I don't think I don't think I drafted Tutu in my first 25 or 30 BBMs probably I probably had zero Tutu and then just you know we learn things as we draft and he was a guy where I was just like what happens when camp gets here and he's like the actual wide receiver too for, for the Rams? Like Van Jefferson goes like 130 overall and this Tutu doesn't even get drafted. So I was like, let's get out in front of that just in case it happens, right? And that's the trend of a lot of the stuff that I have I have here. Kendra, who is back, by the way, he passed his physical uh, today or, or yesterday, um, but a little small fall for him. Same thing. I was like, what happens 
when he, you know, when he comes out and he's getting the first carry for this offense, et cetera, et cetera. So as Rob mentioned, uh, moving over a little bit to a couple of these, these other things, I have kind of done what Rob has done with elite quarterback, not to the same extent, tight end all the way down to, I believe we're now capturing Darren Waller in here, I believe is the cutoff for the elite tight end. We just recently changed some of our definitions, but probably not super surprising that elite uh, a zero running back is my highest uh, exposure structure from a running back perspective, but elite tight end is just something that um, similar, to, again, similar to how Rob is viewing the quarterback position. I'm doing it with the, the tight end position where I also think it's hard to do both. It's, it's really hard. To, you saw your exposures. And like, I mean, you see, I have 40% elite quarterback too. It's not like I'm going to be like really, really overweight elite tight end and elite quarterback because you do really hurt your. If you're drafting both of them in every single draft, your running backs are going to suck or your wide receivers are going to suck. Generally, your wide receivers are probably going to suck. And so that's, that's kind of where I've been taking it all. Most drafts will have this or this, right? Elite tight end or elite quarterback. Sometimes I'll do both. And then that's when it's zero RB, right? So there's probably a correlation for me between elite tight end, zero RB and elite quarterback, because if I'm going to punt off a position to try to take advantage of the elite quarterback and the elite tight end advantage, it's, it's probably running back, which goes back over here. It's like, well, what do those teams have? Well, they have Damien Harris and they have Rashad Penny and they have Jalen Warren and, Etc. So, fifty-one um, percent Sam Howell stacks. I am just going to pull that up because uh, I know we didn't get a chance to dig into some of yours, but we mentioned before, like, oh, you have fifty-one percent of that quarterback. Or, you know, I have thirty-eight Sam Howell stacks in Best Ball Mania. What do they like actually look like? Right. Well, twenty-two of them are Howell and Jahan Dotson. Nineteen of them are Howell and. Terry McLaurin, and then 11 of them are both of them. Beautiful. Right. So I feel pretty good about that. Like, that's one of those where we talked before, it's easy to miss sometimes on getting the appropriate kind of stacks that you wanted. This is about what I would want. Actually, maybe a smidge more Dotson than McLaurin. Like, maybe if this were like 25 to 19 or something like that. But like, that's just, I'm really, you know, splitting hairs. It's not that big of a deal. Um, then you mix in the other guys, right? Gibson is in here. Logan Thomas is in here. Curtis Samuel is in here. Brian Robinson's probably down here with a couple because I don't actually really want Sam Howell and Brian Robinson together too much. Maybe I want this to be a couple more, four or five, um, something like that. Well, but, that was what I wanted to ask you about with, with your specific exposure is I like Brian Robinson on underdog specifically for some yeah. of my – zero mm-hmm. RB teams and stuff like that. But when you're drafting so much Sam Howell, and I have a decent amount of Sam Howell, do you think that it's hurting your Robinson exposure because of like your other takes on Washington? And is that something you might want to balance out going forward? Just a, uh, just a tick, not even a lot. A hundred percent. I don't want to have like 20% Brian Robinson. Right. But like I'm almost at 50% zero RB teams. He's mm-hmm. a really good fit for the way that I draft. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a great player archetype. He's a great cost for the way that I draft my teams, but exactly what you said has played out because I believe that Washington, Washington, like path game stacks 
with McLaurin and Dotson and Gibson and of course Howell are kind of an edge right now. It has led me to being underweight a player, barely underweight, but still. I have 60% Damian Harris and 7% Brian Robinson, and they're close enough in cost. So clearly I'm underweight this guy relative to how frequently I'm drafting running backs in that range. I don't I don't think that's right. I think when we get to Thursday night football in week one, we flip over the cards. I don't want it to look like this. And I have actually, this is, we'll probably uncover another thing or two that I haven't seen and I haven't thought about, but that's actually one that I absolutely have thought about where my take on the Washington offense has actually led me to not draft enough of their, their lead starting running back, which is probably a bad thing, right? Like when you take a step back. So uh, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, this is funny. Cause I haven't even, uh, I haven't even paid attention to this, but Casey says kicking everyone's ass with the week 15 and week 16 stacks. Um, uh, apparently when you have that much Washington, and you have that much tutu. If tutu <laughs> goes off, if, if Sam Howell and tutu go off in week fifteen, we're gonna be. I'm gonna be victory lapping all my semifinal teams because I definitely have a lot of, uh, and I have a lot of cam makers, and uh, I'm probably overweight Cooper Cup. Honestly, I think, uh, yeah, sixteen percent Cup, a bunch of tutu, eleven um, percent acres, and I sprinkle in the other guys. Right, like there's probably like I'm gonna say. Four percent Chiron, um, way off one one percent Chiron. <laughs> so it's been in uh, this is best ball mania. So it's been in. I, I've definitely drafted some Chiron Williams and mm-hmm. and those guys or whatever. But um, Baltimore is my second highest owned stack. You see here fourteen Lamar stacks. We did the show last night where I called Lamar my best ball MVP. <laughs> I called Todd Munkin my coach of the year in best ball. Uh, I'm all in Ravens. It's just, they're more expensive, right? I can get Washington whenever the fuck I want. You can, you can draft the Washington stack whenever you want. It's a little trickier with Baltimore. And then going over to week 17, naturally with that much Washington exposure, um, they're my highest exposure week 17 stack. But one thing I will say, you mentioned um, uh, Dallas and Detroit. It's also one that um, I'm not like crazy, crazy low on it, but I'm also not that high on it because, I like both offenses, but I don't like go out of my way to draft anyone from yeah. either of the offenses. And so that's something I'm going to keep in mind. And I'm going to keep hammering actually these, these games that you see at the top here, because Miami Baltimore is just a game similar to Casey Cincinnati that um, we could, I, I believe could just absolutely blow the roof off of week 17 and I love both of those offenses and I love all the individual players. And so like, even if week 17 weren't a thing, like on drafters, I'm going to draft a lot of those offenses. And then they happen to play each other in week 17. It's like everything kind of fell together. Um, and then Atlanta, Chicago was one, I think that not a lot of people necessarily will have a ton of, but I actually really like both of those offenses this season. Uh, you have a lot of Drake London. I believe I have quite a bit of Drake London. Uh, let me double check real quick. At well, 20, oh, 21% Drake London. No, you're fine. And 29% DJ Moore and probably a good amount of Kyle Pitts and 17% Kyle Pitts. So naturally I'm going to have a bunch of that because I'm also drafting the running backs on both those teams. Do you think just based on, and not to catch you off guard with this question, but I'm just kind of looking at your week 15, 16 and 17 stacks. 
And just based on your Baltimore stuff, Baltimore plays Jacksonville week 15. So that's what I was mm-hmm. kind of looking to see. Do you, it looks like you're almost full fading Jacksonville because they're not popping up on any of your week 15, 16, or 17 stacks. Is that something you're cognizant of, or do you think that's a leak that you need to fix? Little of both, mostly cognizant of and accepting that part of it. Um, I actually, as I search now, as I search now, I actually want to get a little more Calvin Ridley, Mm -hmm. but that fucker just won't fall. It's pissing me (laughs) off. Like everybody keeps like everywhere I go, everyone I listen to, I get on Twitter and everybody's like, Calvin Ridley hasn't played in two years and we're drafting him in the middle of the third round or whatever. Well, he's never available in the late third. Like I can't even get him at a three, four turn ever. And so like, Everybody's dunking on it, but no one's no one stops drafting him, you know. So like, uh, I, I I want to get a little more Ridley, but I kind of thought he would fall a smidge. He just is a victim of victim's not the right word, but a victim of circumstance. Once you get past, you know, Brees, Lamar, Andrews, or whatever, there's it's him and Amari and Debo and Keenan Allen. And like, none of those guys can really fall that far. Cause there's no one else to come up and take their place. It's the CD yeah. lamb syndrome, right? Yeah. Like it's the, They're the third round CD lamb, their third round CD lamb. Yeah. So I, I totally understand. I get it. Like I, I like Jacksonville. So I was grabbing them early. I don't draft Ingram. I don't draft Christian Kirk. Really? I don't draft ETN really. And so it's just kind of like, ETN. and so that's the problem is and then I, 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 the thing I do want to, like you said, I've drafted Trevor Lawrence one time. I think that that's the thing I want to rectify because the, mm-hmm. I like, I actually kind of like Calvin Ridley. I, I, Christian Kirk, I think is a little overpriced, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't dislike Trevor Lawrence and I don't dislike the offense. And so it's one of those things where my player takes on the Jags that go in the first five rounds have infiltrated my Trevor Lawrence, you know, exposure because you get to him in the sixth or seventh round and you're like, well, I don't have Ridley. I don't have Kirk. So I'm even though he fell, I'm not going to take him, which is not necessarily wrong. But then again, you flip over your cards in week one and you don't have any Jag stacks because that happened in every single draft and you didn't want to have no zero Jag stacks. Right. And so um, most of the stuff that we've seen here, I'm cognizant of obviously the Brian Robinson thing. I want to, change a little bit but trevor lawrence himself i do want to change a little bit um and i'm trying to figure out how to do that because i thought i'd be able to get a faller amongst his wide receivers and because lawrence falls a lot he does but his receipt his receivers don't really fall so it's like it's very strange you know how the market is handling the jaguars i i just i think all the jaguars the personally i do think every single one is overpriced but i don't think they're gonna so their expectation but they also could smash. They all could smash. They, they can too. all smash. And I just don't want to not have them is like the way that yeah. I've approached it. So I do grab Ridley. I do grab um, Christian Kirk. Kirk as well. I'll grab Lawrence unstacked occasionally. Like I've done it a few times where I'll just grab the falling Trevor Lawrence, but then I do grab Ingram. So I do have mm-hmm. Ingram drafted, but 90% of the time it's with Trevor Lawrence. Like, so I'm, but I'm doing that with all tight ends. It's not an anomaly. I bet my Ingram is on, uh, is on my Trevor Lawrence team. Probably, right? No, he's not, actually. Oh, well. Who but, like, that's a oh, way to Josh get Allen. them. That's the way to get them, right? Is, like, to 
Like, if you do want to up your exposure to Evan Ingram, because I don't want 0% Evan Ingram. I don't want 90% Evan Ingram. Jesus. I I loaded up on the bills on this team, by the way. So Evan Ingram needs to do well for this. I think I have every fucking bill on the entire bills (laughs) roster. And this this is a little Liam's team seep into my, uh, (laughs) to my draft IQ here on my only Evan Ingram team. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. I just, I just think that like, maybe if that is something you're cognizant of, like that, you do want more Trevor Lawrence. Maybe that is why you get more Evan Ingram tank Bigsby. You can do, you can do Ingram Zay. Zay Jones like stacks as well. Tank is a good one where I actually kind of like Tank. <clears throat> he also goes in a range where I draft running backs fairly frequently, and he's just after he's just after the Penny Dame, you know, Herbert, Eli Mitchell uh tier of things. So I mean I have seven percent, so it's it's close enough to expectation, but he's he's actually kind of a natural way that fits the way that I draft. For me to like Zay Jones is never going to recover my Jags exposure because I I don't really draft that. I mean, I drafted a ton of him last year. I was like, he's one of my highest owned wide receivers last year. It's just things have shifted now and he's way more expensive than he was last year. Uh, but Tank is a very strong fit. And I'm going to try some of the Lawrence stuff that you mentioned. Uh, I, I think I'm going to just, I think I'm going to do a little like early third Ridley mm-hmm. to get a little, to, to get a little more Ridley, but also to get a little more Lawrence. Um and just tinker some things around there because that's definitely something that I'm not I haven't been like I, it's not my intention to have no Trevor Lawrence it's just how that's one of those things we talked about before that's this is just how it, when you draft the players you like <laughs> at every pick this is just what ha- or the structure you like this is just what's happened uh, with the Jaguars and that's what you can kind of see by looking at different things because I didn't even notice it on your teams until I looked at your like look through your week 15, 16 and 17 stacks, knowing that you're pretty heavy on Baltimore, but like, why weren't they in that week 15? And it's like, well, who do they right. play? They play Jacksonville. It's like, okay, well, I like Baltimore this much. Now I'm looking at, I don't see them with Jacksonville. Well, now I don't see Jacksonville in week 17 or week 16. Maybe I'm not drafting that particular team enough, or maybe it's a team you want to stay underweight on, right? Like maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's Tampa. And you're like, okay, well, that makes sense. I don't have Tampa. They are. Right. They 100% are. You'll see the Saints are one of my highest exposure teams, but mm-hmm. I only have six week 17 stacks because I am tr- I actually am actively forcing myself to be un- underweight on the Bucks. And But I don't care about that one. That's intentional. Right. And, like, if the if if Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or Rashad White or Kate Otten or whatever are the bring back on that week, that's okay. A, I have some. I don't have zero. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not like completely taking a stand against it. But also, my stand is I believe in the, the Saints as a bet. I don't. I, I, so it's one of those funny things where you're like, well, why don't you just draft the, the week 17 bring back? It's like, I'm not drafting early fifth round Chris Godwin strictly because I'm going to draft Rashid Shahid later. <laughs> you know, like I'm not doing that. I'm, and so the Saints are my bet. And I feel comfortable with that one. Whereas, Brian Robinson, the Jags or whatever were kind of unintentional things that have happened through 75 drafts. Uh, the Bucks are very much intentional. Yeah, so that might be something that I go and study tomorrow and see who's popping up or who's not popping up in all of those week 15, 16, 17 matchups. Is it intentional? Am I missing a team? So that's something yeah. I think people can do as well. Um, we will make sure 
to do a couple more of these because it's absolutely impossible <laughs> to cover everything. And you guys brought up tons of good comments and questions and everything like that. And um, we'll try to, we'll try to cycle this through, of course, not like every single week, but a few more times over the course of the off season. I know we only got six weeks or whatever, but uh, we'll of course do something right before the season, but we'll, we'll make sure to get another one or two of these in. Um, Cause I, I found the conversation was selfishly helpful for me finding out some things that I need to change, but I also think honestly us talking it through um, you can even see some in the chat of people being like, Oh, you know, that's interesting. Or I have, uh, maybe I need to get more of this person or Eric's dunking on me with his uh, Damian Harris exposure. I feel like a child now and you are is the answer, but uh you know, you know, Rob has more chief stacks than anyone on the fucking planet. Like, yeah, two years in a row. He does. It's true. Shocked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> totally shocked when we flipped over those cards. But we're going to do a couple of more of those. And if you want access to that tool that you saw there, that is our draft IQ tool. Um, of course, we have our draft hacker that Rob was mentioning before. Like when you're drafting, you can see some of that stuff that you just saw on your screen. Literally, like what do my Lamar teams, right? I drafted Lamar as my QB1. You can see on your screen the exposure you have to those players on Lamar Jackson teams. You can see tons of this stuff that we just walked through on your screen. If you use the draft hacker. And then of course we can analyze it like Rob and I just did after the fact and see that's weird. I only drafted one Trevor Lawrence team and I don't hate Trevor. I don't hate Trevor Lawrence, but me, I only have one, right? One Trevor Lawrence team. So um, that all comes with the spike week premium subscription. You can, Get access to it. You see uh, up in the the other corner that I didn't point to. Uh, but if you if you uh, to sign up on Drafters, use promo code Spike. You can get a free month, or of course it's thirty nine ninety nine a month if you want to subscribe. But uh, Rob, I know you got to run. Anything else before we get out of here? Jump in Discord. Go to the giveaway section. There's a giveaway on the Sunday for a Eagles helmet or Eagles replica Deshaun Jackson helmet. Uh, watch Hometown Ghost Stories tonight, 9 p.m. I thought it was going to be one yep. of my weaker shows, but I actually think it's going to be one of the better shows awesome. that I've produced. So um, catch us over there at 9 o'clock. Awesome. Hometown Ghost Stories, who has had an esteemed guest uh, on before in the past. So I have no fucking idea what he was talking about, but uh, I did have fun nonetheless. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, we got a, another installment in our DraftKings 555 draft coming very shortly. And uh, Legendary Sickos is going to be back. All sorts of stuff coming. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow within the next couple of days. Peace. One. Woo! Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on. We draft a team. Boom. You know about it. We have another spicy take. Boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date. That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.